You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Outdoor Edge in their complete lineup of knives and game processing kits. These guys right now are doing an absolutely huge giveaway where you could win an elk hunt and not just any elk hunt. We're talking about a seven or eight mile horseback ride into the backcountry. We're talking a one-on-one guided hunt. You're going to be sleeping in a wall tent and you're going to be doing that for five days with the founder and CEO of Outdoor Edge, David Block. Now, if you've never been on an elk hunt before, I'm telling you right now, go sign up for this because if you ever hear a elk bugle, whether it's at 400 yards or it's at 40 yards, it is a life-changing experience. So here's how you enter. Go to OutdoorEdge.com. There's going to be a big banner for it somewhere on their homepage. All you have to do is click on that. Go fill out some information. I think your name, your email address, maybe some other stuff. And that's all you have to do. That's how you are entered. They're going to be picking a winner oh, a ways from now. So you have plenty of time to enter. Go visit OutdoorEdge.com. Sign up today. Here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Iowa Sportsman Podcast. And we're sitting here inside 30 days to the Iowa Deer opener. October 1st is so close that I can smell it and taste it. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm I'm jacked up to start bow hunting. Uh, unfortunately, I don't get to hunt Iowa until later into the month of October just because a couple prior engagements and out-of-state hunts. But I'm telling you right now, with all this rain that we've been having, the deer are on their feet, and I've got a couple deer caught on trail camera that I am very excited to start chasing this fall and today's guest is noel gandy now noel is another hardcore whitetail guy Uh, he's as passionate about whitetail as the rest of us and today we're going to talk about things that we could try to do or strategies and tactics to shooting a deer early in the season and see if some of these principles can work where you hunt i mean we talk about food sources we talk about what deer are doing we're talking even about food plots we talk a lot about strategy for the early season and we even get into uh, a little bit of late season and uh, mid-season you know rut type of of talk as well but the focus of this is if a guy only had one week to do it how would he do it if he had one day to do it how would he do it? And uh, he has the experience to back, back this conversation up because in the past four years, I think three of his bucks have come in the month of October inside of 14 days. So uh, it's a really good conversation about early season hunting. And uh, that, so that's what we're talking about. But before we get into today's episode, we are going to do a little commercial here for Quiet Cat. Now, a Quiet Cat is an e-bike. It's an electric bike. It's basically a mountain bike with a battery on it. And I'm going to tell you right now, they're really fun to ride, right? But there's a lot of functionality that goes beyond them being just fun. Let's just say you, it's it's hard for you to get around, but you can ride a bike. Uh, 
maybe this will allow you to continue to hunt. A An e-bike can go anywhere a regular bike can go. And the cool thing about it is that you can pedal and the motor kicks in. It's called pedal assist, or it even has a throttle that you can just work with your thumb and you don't even need to pedal if you don't want to. But these bikes make it easy to get deeper into the property without having to drive a truck so it's less of an impact to the deer herd there's you know less pressure with one of these e-bikes if there is some really steep terrain they can navigate that fairly easily so if you're getting older or if you have bad legs or you just it's hard for you to get around maybe an e-bike or a quiet cat is the answer to some of your problems so if you want to find out more information about an e-bike the quiet cat visit quietcat.com and uh, check out their lineup of e-bikes and accessories so uh, quietcat.com check them out and we're done with the commercial so let's get into today's early season hunting strategy tactics and tips with noel gandy all right on the phone with me today today it's a returning guest mr noel gandy noel what's up man hey dan doing good today man so, I mean, we're recording this one day away from September, and September for me is really the ramp up to everything that I love about life is about to happen for us, right? I mean, don't get me That's wrong. It. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to say I love my family because I do. I'm going to say sure. I love all these other things because I do, but... What grinds my gears? What what has me obsessively, compulsively thinking about how to walk into the woods or what travel route a deer is going to take or where? Like I'm thinking about a deer right now. Where's he at? What's he doing? What's he thinking? Like that's not healthy. <laughs> <laughs> I often say, I wonder if he's thinking about me too. That's right. Sure thinking about him, <laughs> That's a fact. It is, uh, it is what I like to call shooting season yeah. Eve. All right. Yeah. We're going to start shooting stuff tomorrow. We're going to start busting sky nuggets in the morning, as I like to call them, the, uh, the doves. Yep. And, uh, it's just, man, it's a fun time of year today on August 31st. It's, uh, outside it's, it's around noon now and it's 60 degrees, 62 degrees where I'm at. Yeah, and so I mean, it just feels like fall. Even it's starting to try to peek through. Yeah, so I'm with you. I yeah. mean, it's the uh, the passion becomes the obsession at this point. I right. like to think. I always I always think of September as when you have the two MMA fighters staring across from each other, and the ref is going over the you know you can't hit him here can't do this can't do this have a clean fight let's go it's just me and yeah. the whitetail herd staring each other down right now getting ready for this grind of a season you know sometimes it could be easy sometimes it could be hard but it's like you're mentally preparing at this point you're you're finishing up all your gear you're planning your food plots you're you're doing all these things to get ready so when the bell sounds we can just start that fight that's right. I, I often feel like they put me in a chokehold a lot of times, though, more than. <laughs> yeah, I've than definitely, I've definitely submitted more over the years than they have. That's a fact. 
in the phrase tap out. I've done. done That's right. That's right. Well, let's uh, let's get into this topic today because my goal in life is to be able to locate a deer, hunt him, and kill him within the first week of October, right? And the reason I want to do that, it's like a goal of mine, is because I feel that I am a, I, I would be considered not only by my peers, but but by others, or uh, by, by myself, that you could be, you could consider yourself a better hunter if you can get it done in October, because let's face it, man, when the rut is going wild, you know, the rut has its advantages and disadvantages of trying to locate a, a buck, especially one that's on your hit list. But if you can get it done in yeah. October, there's something special about that. What do you think about that? I really enjoy October hunting, I guess, because I have had a level of success uh, here in Iowa in October. This will be my fifth year to be able to hunt Iowa as a resident. And so for the first four years of that time, I've, I have shot a buck three out of the first four years before October 14th mm. or by October 14th. And so I, I have an affinity for that because largely that's what I, what I know. I've not actually got to do a ton of rut hunting uh, just because I've been tagged out, <laughs> and yeah. so, which is a great problem to have. I almost think I, if I hunted the rut, the year that I did really hunt the rut hard, I overthought it too much. Um, so, but back to your question, I, I really enjoy October because I think you still have a good chance of really finding a target buck because they've not started branching out so much. And I just personally, I, I enjoy the part of hunting where I have a relationship with, with the deer I'm trying to hunt, meaning that I, I have some sort of history with him. I certainly, absolutely, you know, giant comes by that I don't know. I'll whack him. Don't, don't get me wrong. But I think in October, especially early, you, you have the best chance of finding a target buck rather than just, uh, you know, during the rut, him happening to pass by. That's also kind of the, the case for late season, maybe. Like, really late season, if they come back to where they've lived, you know, for food or whatever, uh, you can you can get back on a target buck that way pretty easy. But during the rut, I feel like it's sometimes it could be a little crapshoot because they're, uh, different deer have different personalities. Some will go and they'll stay in a home range, and then some will they'll venture out four or five miles, you know. So it's just a... I don't know. I like October. It might just be because you're getting to hunt finally. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. That's, uh, that's a big I, part of it too. And I, I think, uh, one of the things I learned over the years was if I want to, especially on smaller pieces of property, right. Where we, yeah. we start, you know, we start getting into this October hunting and now all, all we're doing is we're just p- pressuring deer, except, you know, you know, if they're nocturnal, and they're showing up on trail camera or, or maybe you're not seeing them from the tree stand. All we're doing is educating them, right? Especially on a small parcel. Yep. But if you have, you know, some other places to go hunt and, or a bigger property to where you can hunt the fringes before you start making aggressive moves in that late October, early November timeframe, I think, I think we're just like doing more harm than good. But I, I'm also the guy that, I strongly believe that you can kill a deer 
any type of day, any any time of day if you if you play your cards right, or, and not any time of day, but any day of the hunting season if you play your cards right. You know, obviously you can't hunt in the dark, but yeah, I don't think there is a buck out there that sits in his bed from thirty minutes before sun comes up to thirty minutes after the sun goes down. Right. I just, I don't think that's happening. So I think that leaves a little sliver of hope for the guy who can only hunt October's to make maybe some aggressive moves and, and get the job done on him. What are your thoughts? I agree that there's no such thing as an unkillable deer. Uh, There are some, there are quite a bit more challenging. Absolutely. Uh, But yeah, you're right. They're going to get up at some point in time. They might not go very far. Uh, and they can certainly stay in one place for a long time, but there, there's an avenue to, to get in on a deer, just depending on how aggressive you want to be. To, to your instance of having the small property, I have a very similar instance. Uh, it's about an 80-acre piece, uh, and it's dynamite. I mean, it's dynamite, and you can hunt it uh, with different winds, and so it's it could be useful all the time. I don't want to over infiltrate that early season right now just because i don't have a really big deer that i'm interested in like super aggressively pursuing on that piece right now right uh, they, he might he might trickle in later uh during when it you know when the crop comes out which i feel like might be a little early this year for our part of the world when the crop comes out we'll get a fresh you know a few extra deer that'll hit that timber but, uh, yeah, I don't want to overpressure it if there's not something I'm super, super interested in getting on, a deer that I'm really interested in getting on. So the flip side to that, Dan, is if I have a giant that, man, I want to kill that deer, and, and that, that's, that's what I'm dreaming about, that deer is the one that's keeping me up at night. If I find that he has daylighted any on that piece, I'm going to try to figure out a way to hunt that deer while he's there because of you can't kill him if he's not there, right? I mean, right. that's kind of an obvious statement. But I know, uh, I think back to 2017, I had a deer that we call Loverboy. And uh, he was notorious for showing up for two or three days in early October, and then you wouldn't see him again until, like, October 31st. And he did that for, like, three years. He was an old deer. But he, daylight, he daylighted one day on October 3rd he, at, like, 7.30 in the morning. And so we spent the rest of that time, the rest of that week, hunting that deer, but just trying to stay on a pattern with him. And uh, granted, we, we didn't see him again, but that's that's one time where I was not planning on hunting that farm. But that deer, he showed up in daylight, so that tell, tells me he's close. You know, and, and when he's close, I can use I can use crop to my advantage or disadvantage, you know, however you want to look at it. It can be an advantage, and it gives me cover getting to a stand and, um, I can, you know, maybe think that the deer are possibly bedding in it, but it's a disadvantage because it does give them so many other options and places to bed. Um, I, I think that that's why the middle of October, it gets such a, a bad rap. People like to say the October lull and, and use that phrase and all. And, and there's, you know, there's some truth that deer sighting probably does go down, but I mean, you just said we're pressuring them already. And so naturally they're going to avoid pressure. Uh, but boy, if you hit just the right, the right weather, kind of after the crop has started coming out in mid October, I think is dynamite. That's again, that's one of my favorite times to times to be in the woods. Yeah. 
So you mentioned that there was three years there that you tagged out mm -hmm. on your buck before, what was it, October 14th, right? Yeah. So yeah. what about those three years did you find, I guess, uh, a trend? Or what was it? Or was it your strategy? Was it uh, weather? Was it, you know, specific yeah. food plots? What was it that allowed you to get the job done before October 14th in those three years? To, to uh, an instance, it was weather-related. Yeah. Uh, the first year, 2016, uh, I think it was October 7th, 6th or 7th, and it was the first day of a, of a cold front. Now, I'm from Mississippi, and I've um, lived in Iowa now four or five years, and I posted, on, I remember posting on social media that day, I can't, or the day before, I can't wait for this cold front. And it was going to drop down to like, you know, 50 degrees or something, but it had been in the high 80s. And folks made fun of me saying, oh, it's not cold. You know, that's not cold. You, you're from Mississippi. You think it's cold. That's not what I'm necessarily talking about when I say a cold front. I'm talking about a, a, a significant drop in temperature. Right. Which uh, we had that. Honestly, we had that this weekend. Like if it was October 1st instead of September 1st, we'd be jazzed to be in the woods because – we had a 30 degree temperature drop and that's going to signify something in, in those deer. Like, I don't know if it just encourages them to eat or get up a little earlier or it just, man, they just feel better. I know I feel better <laughs> and want to be outside. So, uh, but every instance was around a significant drop in temperature. I will say with the caveat of this past year, we had a cold front on like the 11th or 12th of October and it was a significant drop in temperature, getting north wind. And so I hunted very, very hard for two or three days. And, and without much luck, honestly, I was very surprised and shocked. But when we got the first south wind, after that handful of days where there was north wind, the deer went crazy on that first south wind. And so I firmly believe that on the beginning and ends of, of fronts, it just triggers something inside of a deer to get them up. And, uh, they, uh, again, to, to a deer, um, they all revolved around, around beans as well. Um, one deer was walking a cornfield edge heading to beans. Uh, so I killed him technically in the corn, but he was heading to a bean field, but that was kind of to a point they were all heading to beans, uh, for whatever reason. Okay. So those were the two kind of the two similarities that I've I've thought back over time and, and and realized that those things were all in common. So was this bean field a a food plot bean field or was it an ag bean field? Uh, no, they're all ag bean fields. Okay. Actually, uh, this is I've never had an, an option or an opportunity <laughs> to uh, do a food plot actually until this year. And so I'll even have more info. Uh, this food plot for this year is in the corner of a bean field, um, but it's it's a secluded bean field. You can't really see it from the road in any direction. It's lined with timber. It just seems like a really natural spot deer want to be, kind of yeah. anyway. Yeah. And so uh, you know I, that's definitely an advantage for me. Okay, so let's uh, let's think about that then a second. Um, it's 
the weather that you feel got this, a, a cold front. I mean, and let's be honest, a cold front is a, is a temperature drop. I mean, it's the same thing, depending right. on how you, however sure. you want to say it, it's the same thing, right? Yeah. And then it was the, what was the other uh, part? Oh, they were heading to beans. Now, were the beans brown and dry by then? Or did you, were you able to find some late planted beans or replanted beans that were still kind of green? So I've always heard that the deer will just turn their nose up at yellowing beans. Uh, but every instance they were all they were all yellow <laughs> and turning brown uh which is kind of surprising and, and kind of shocking but again it, it might have just been the lack of of other food available there uh but they were all yellowing at, in those instances so it's almost you kind of throw i uh, thrown conventional wisdom kind of out the window and uh it's, I think it's just something something special. I don't know if the Lord did it or, or what, but, uh, but that's been my experience. <laughs> so they 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 were still kind of yellow though, right? I mean, yellow or brown, yeah, right? By then, yeah, it's the wildest thing. They weren't they weren't dry yet, not ready for harvest uh, yet. But they uh, they they all had a little yellow in them. In fact, I've I've got video of the deer two years ago. Um, and he's munching on yellow bean leaves. Okay. So yeah. on those fronts, because I have a trend I want to talk to you about in a little bit, okay. I, and I know it's closer towards the rut time frame when I kill most of my deer, but with those cold fronts, was there any significant precipitation? Uh, hmm. I have to think back. I can't. I can't recall off the top of my head. Last year, no, uh, it, there wasn't. There, there might have been some rain, maybe on the front end of it, that just kind of blew in with it. But it wasn't. It wasn't a massive amount. Okay. All right. And I can't. I can't think that there was uh, were on the other two instances. Yeah, and and when I say this, I'm going to preface this by saying a a significant, and I don't mean like maybe a lot in inches of rain, but a, like a whole day where you know, the last eight hours or the last, you yeah. know, uh, 12 hours, it's been raining kind of consistently, um, sometimes hard, maybe sometimes light, but consistently. And what I've found in that period of time is if the end of the front matches a morning hunt or matches a evening hunt. So let's say that that rain stops at four, four o'clock in the afternoon get in the tree stand because absolutely man something about them deer sitting and taking that rain all day long they they got to get up not only to, in my opinion to freshen up sign but also just to man they've been bedded down all day or however long and it's time to stretch their legs and go eat for sure i can think to um this is not Iowa specific, but rather it is. Uh, it was in Oklahoma this this past year, October. I think I think first or second. Uh, it was right at the very beginning of their season as well. Uh, my friend Jeff uh, Danker and his his daughter Jaylee, and they had a, a guest in their camp. Uh, they had a massive rainstorm blow through, and they went and they thankfully they had box blinds kind of to sit in and uh, over over food source yeah and they're sitting there and the water is 
pouring. I mean, just buckets. But they went and they got in those blinds before it started pouring. And the instant that that rain stopped, deer piled out. There was nothing while it was raining, but they piled out to that feed because that rain, A, it brought the, it brought the cold front in, but two, it, it rained for a while, several hours, like you're, like, kind of like you're saying there. And as soon as it stopped off, uh, both, both hunters were able to get a shot at mature bucks, not just, you know, good ones, but both like really big deer. And so you can't tell me that that doesn't have something to do with it for sure. And uh, that's not always the funnest time to try to go and get in a tree stand. You know, nobody likes to walk through wet corn and uh, and get your gear and yourself, you know, nasty wet or anything. And a lot of times roads are difficult to get down, especially if you're on some of these level B roads and things. But, boy, that you're missing a dynamite opportunity to, to at least see deer and see what's happening in the area. Um uh, Boy, if it cuts off a couple hours before shooting light ends, I think that is my ideal time. Yeah. Uh, like the last hour and a half after that front, if you've got that magically lining up with the end of shooting light, boy, that's that's just uh, that's dynamite. Right. All right, so I want to give you a hypothetical question right now, and that is I want you to answer it in two ways. I'll I want you to answer if you only had one day to hunt, and that was opening day, October 1st. If you only had one day yeah. to hunt, how would you approach that? And then the next question is going to be if you had just had one week to do it instead of one day. So first question, how does Noel Gandy go in and try to kill his target buck? What's he doing now? Let's, let's say September 1st or whenever this comes out, it's going to be like September 3rd. Between now okay. and the time October 1st hits, and then you get one day to hunt, what are you doing to go and try to kill a target buck on October 1st? Okay. Right now, I'm trying to figure out where he's, A, where a target buck is, and if he's huntable right away. Um, I'll give you two instances. I have two farms there across the road from one another. One I can hunt right now. And one, I'm not going to be able to hunt until the corn comes out. So that automatically narrows down that instance for me. I know I'm going to have to kind of hone in on this one farm. Why is that? Why can't you hunt it until the corn comes out? It's access. It's all about the access. Gotcha. If I go in and I and I blaze a trail through the standing corn, and I beat it to a pulp, and I lay scent down everywhere, and I make a lot of noise getting there, I'm probably going to ruin my one day that I have to hunt. All right. And so I would rather go to a place where I can slip in and out really easily and not leave, leave all this sign behind because I know I've only got this one day and I'm going to take advantage of it, but there's a good chance I might can slide back in there another day at some point in time. Right. So I'm going to take advantage. I'm going to be very mindful of my access, how I get into that stand, and, and what my wind is doing. Even on, right? even on a one-day hunt? On a one-day hunt, okay. absolutely. Because I believe, Dan, and this is just a personal belief. I don't have any science to back it up. But it's just my, my thought from 25 years of observing that I believe that we scare more deer getting into and out of a tree stand or into and out of our hunting area than we ever realize we do just because of, of, of poor access. Uh, that's something I'm never mindful of for a lot of years. 
I thought, oh, well, they, I didn't see anything as I walked in. I didn't bump it out. You know, clearly it's fine. But deer can smell so well that even if they don't blow out of the area, I believe if they get a whiff of something that they don't care for, they might not, they might not even come to, to where you can see them necessarily. And so I'm being super mindful of my access as I'm going in because I don't want to blow the deer out from where I'm wanting them to come. Uh, but right now what I'm doing is I'm, I'm running trail cameras. And, and some will disagree with me, and we'll just have to agree to disagree, but I'm running it over, over feed right now. Um, and we can do that for a few more days. It's getting time to pull it out because we want to have it out way ahead of, uh, way ahead of the season. I think we don't 30 want days. To do that, but I'm finding Right. Well, yep. uh, that's right. So we're at the end of that time. Yeah. Uh, necessarily. So, or, or naturally, but, but I'm, I'm running cameras and they've been over, over feed. I'm being careful that it's not necessarily over mineral because I don't want that to, to linger, but something that can be gone very quickly. Yep. And I know what deer is in the area. So my expectations are garnered. I have one day to hunt. Am I going to wait on a 200 inch deer if a 150 walks out? Well, not if I don't have any pictures of a 200 inch deer. Right. Right. I'm busting that 150, you know? So, uh, so that's kind of what I would be doing uh, right then, uh, trying to hunt that one day. And I'm trying to get, uh, I'm trying to find a deer that's, that's coming out in daylight some. If I have a mega buck and he's showing up on trail camera, even if it's seven days a week, but he's showing up at midnight, then I'm probably not going to kill that deer. Yeah. Uh, during this first week or this first day. But if I have a good buck and he's, he's shown up in daylight two or three times the past couple of weeks, I'm probably going to hone in closer to where he's showing up in daylight because that's going to give me my very best chance to get a buck in daylight, right? Uh, if I have a week to hunt, I- I'm probably going to do things largely largely the same, assuming that you're saying the week is in October and not November. Um, if it's a week in October, I'm going to choose and pick and choose around that weather front. I'm not going to go in if it's blazing hot just because um, just because I can hunt. If I can pick and choose the week, then it's going to be around a weather front, and, and it's going to um, – I feel like it's going to pay some kind of dividend for sure. Okay. So you mentioned that you planted food plots, uh, this year. Mm -hmm. What food plot are you planting that, uh, for a one week season only the first week of October is the only time you get a hunt. What food plot are you planting? And I know I I told you before we started recording, I was going to throw you some nasty (laughs) curveballs. You did, and you're throwing it, man. <laughs> did I remind you that this is my first year planting food plot? Which, by the way, it is, it is dirt right now, basically, because we have uh, not had rain That's in right. a month here yeah. in South Iowa. And so even my – right now I have turnips and rape in the ground, and uh, they've not touched them just because there's not much to it. But I would think if I was going to use it – I have that specifically for late season – and, you know, some deer are going to use it a little bit early, uh, but I've never had a late season spot, like a late muzzleloader spot, because I've never had food on the farm. So I thought maybe if I can have a little bit of food late season, we'll keep some deer on, on the farm and keep them from running away for, you know, three or four months. Yeah. But yeah. if I was going to do it for, for early season, for October, 
there's so much leafy and green right now. It's it's tough to it's tough for me to say, but I would I would imagine some sort of oat or or rye or something just uh, that's really attractional right now. Again, I, I'm no expert on that, so forgive me. I know a lot of people love clover, and clover can be good all year long, and it can actually be good for multiple animals. And so maybe some sort of clover even if you have a way to maintain it. Uh, clover's no good if it gets really, really tall and uh, you can't keep it mowed is what I understand anyway. So, um, so yeah, something maybe leafy and green or either uh, like a rye or an oat with some seed kind of stuff on it. Um, and I, I have an experience in Kansas where um, I had great luck hunting over Milo uh, really early in the year. And, and I don't know if that's a big deal so much here, but there's lots of it down there. But it, it's a really seedy kind of a head, and they seem to really like that early season uh, in that that spot. So that uh, that uh, beating all around the bush. I know of the question that you're asking, but uh, my my expertise definitely does not lie in food plots. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, and even this time of year, right? I think the acorns. I and I haven't been out into the the timber to really get a look at what the acorn drop is going to look like. I know. A couple weekends ago, was it? It was not this past weekend, but the weekend before, uh, some trees started to drop, and uh, my trail cameras showed that. Right? You can have yeah. uh, you can have a, a deer coming to a field edge or to a, an ag or or coming to an area, and then those acorns stop or they start. And the, it, it just changes. And the pictures dry up. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> and it changes everything. And I don't know, and I think obviously that kind of fades in or slips into that early October time frame because all of the, the foliage is starting to dry up. It's probably not as pal- palatable as it was, you know, a month yeah. previous or two months previous. But guess what's there? Those acorns. And... Yeah. You know, from my experience, especially if you're hunting maybe a big chunk of timber and, and you know, mixed in with some ag, they're going to choose those acorns over, you know, uh, ag like corn or soybeans if they have the opportunity to do that. That And, that, and that's my opinion, and I'm not an expert either. We have a really uh, cool thing. I, I'm a pastor here in Shenandoah, and... Uh, we have a huge, huge acorn tree right outside of our parking lot area here. I mean, like you'll roll your ankle on them at certain <laughs> times of year. There's just so many. And uh, I can always kind of gauge what the acorns are doing by that tree, you know, without ever going into the timber. But I'm kind of a proponent of staying out of timber early um, just because I don't I don't want to educate deer any more than I have to. I'm, I'm terrible enough at it anyway, so they don't need my help. <laughs> Uh, but I can kind of gauge what acorns are doing by that tree. And granted, it's a lone oak, and it's it's by itself, um, and it's in the middle of town. But I can still get a, kind of an idea. And you nailed it, man. I've not even, like, as we're having this conversation, it's registering. But I have a couple of bucks that, man, they were religiously hitting a certain camera. And uh, now I'm getting them back once every four or five days, maybe. And uh, that has... And it's all kind of equated back to that acorn drop. That's exactly what's happening. 
Yeah. And uh, if they can be in the comfort of the timber and and be, A, they're cool, cooler in the timber, I'm sure, uh, and, and then B, they can be close to water, they can be close to cover, they're not seeing human intrusion necessarily or, or other intrusion, there's safety there. That's all a deer wants is food, water, and security, you know. So if they can get all those three without having to get up and go and expose themselves, especially a mature buck, uh, they're going to do that every time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I want to throw in my two cents here, uh, in, okay. in this, this whole hypothetical situation where, man, if, if I only have one day to hunt and I know where a, and I know where a big buck is coming or maybe going from, I am, I'm, making a very aggressive move for that one day, for that one yeah. day hunting season. Right. Uh, I'm going to cut the wind yeah. extremely hard to where he, I think he's coming from. My access route will be, uh, will be for one deer and one deer only. And that will be whatever target buck I'm going after. Right. If does catch my ground scent and run away, well, guess what? They catch yeah. my ground scent and run away, but they're going, but yep. when it comes to, this early October timeframe that we're talking about, let's just call it the first 15 days of October. And I, and my trail cameras kind of dry up. I'm going into the timber and I'm going to set up on an acorn flat or someplace where pinch points travel corridors, where they're coming and going staging areas. You know, I don't even hunt field edges anymore. Because my experience is statistically, if you see a deer on a field edge, there's not a lot of light left or he's just sneaking into the timber coming around. You know, obviously the rut can throw you a, uh, you know, a couple good encounters on a a midday cruiser or if he's chasing a doe Mm -hmm. or whatever. But the first 15 days of October, man, these, these deer are not interested in does yet. Maybe they might, they're interested in laying, laying some sign and stuff. So I'm going into the timber for every single hunt in that first 15 days, because, you know, unless I have a trail camera telling me that, oh man, this buck is visiting this scrape at four 30, the last three days or whatever. But typically and statistically that is very, that's, that's far and few between from the past, however many you know, trail cameras I've put over scrapes over the years. Right. Right. So, you know, for, for me, I got to go, I got to get in. I'm, I guess I'm that kind of hunter where I'm, I'm the mobile guy and that has a lot to do with it. Uh, you know, some guys don't have the ability to be mobile. Some guys don't have the acres to be mobile, but if you get the opportunity, get into the timber, find that terrain feet, those terrain features, find that edge where the open timber kind of meets the real thick, nasty stuff and you know set up and observe you know and i'm i'm also a strong component of not necessarily the same tree but you can hunt a ridge on any wind if you have enough acreage right so uh, if a buck is using this trail on the same you know multiple winds or uh coming through an area on multiple winds you should have an access route for that area, for that ridge or that, you know, half an acre 
where you could set up on a north wind or a south wind or an east wind or a west wind. There, there's got to be a way for you to find a tree stand location. And, and again, we're talking about Iowa here, so there should be. And I know you live out west where there's probably less trees. Than, yeah, it's a little, little bit different. Yeah. Very similar. Yeah. So I, uh, I don't know. I'm just a strong component that you can always put yourself in position if – you know, obviously, if the deer is consistent, that gives you the advantage. Absolutely. You have kind of, uh, I, I call it the hunting public mindset, which I think is awesome. They're super aggressive and, uh, you know, hey, if we if we blow it up, then there's somewhere else we can go. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's a wonderful mindset. And I think it has a lot to do, like you said, also with, with your time that you have to, to be able to hunt a, yep. and then your, uh, land access. Are, yep. are you trying to baby a private piece or are you want to go and, you know, get the deer killed oh, yeah. <laughs> on, on public or something, you know? So I think that's wonderful. Hey, let me, uh, let me divert from you. I'm, I know you're the host. And so forgive me for this, but, uh, this is the first year that I've ever used cellular trail cams. Yeah. I've always had just regular, uh, you know, run, go check them trail cans. And I have a sneaky feeling that might change some of, of how I hunt an area this year. Do you have any experience with cellular trail cameras? So a majority of the property that I hunt is a river bottom ground, right? So I, I don't get the reception necessary to run uh, a cell cam. However, I have my my cell cams on the high ground, closer to the ag fields and in the the I guess you would call it the the uh, destination food source, right? So mm-hmm. when I get a trail camera picture, uh, a cell cam picture of a deer, for the most part, it's during the evening time, you know, after the sun goes down, before the sun comes up, and I have, you know it's not going to help me get on a deer unless I I guess I take that back because the data is important. What I can tell you is, is that I know where he's at at this time of day, which means he's not, Mm -hmm. he's not other places that time of day, which means let's say if I get a picture of him an hour before sun comes up consistently, obviously a guy would say, Oh dude, I can't hunt him there. I can't hunt him now, but guess what? You can hunt him closer to the bedding area and you can That's right. do a run and gun or you can have a stand already set up or however you want to do it. But you get in there in the morning as he's coming back to his bedroom or a big fat pinch point or a, a you know, a, a staging area or somewhere of him coming back. And the same thing, it would be on a, you know, on an evening hunt, right? Oh man, check out this scrape, but he's, he's there at eight o'clock at night or he's there at seven o'clock at night. Well, what's he doing an hour before that is he walking down the, is he visiting a staging area is he under an oak tree is he walking through this this terrain feature on the same finger that's why i would move in in at that point and hunt him where he's not at if that makes sense right now i can see oh yeah go ahead no i i was just gonna uh finish by saying this i don't know how i feel about cell cams uh-huh. right now because there are, you know, Boone and Crockett and Pope and Young have both basically said that cell cams yep. are a no-go. 
Like if you get right. a picture of a deer and then you go and kill him, there's it can't be entered into our system, which I I could care right. less about Boone and Crockett and Pope and Young as far as as far as measuring <laughs> deer and if I'm certified or whatever. But sure. I don't know how I feel about getting a trail camera picture of a deer and then go killing him 45 minutes later, right? If I was on the farm, I live an hour and a half away from the farm that I yeah. mostly hunt. So for me to go in and, and do that would be highly unlikely. However, if I lived on the farm and I got a picture in one pinch point, and let's just say he's by himself and he's cruising, well, guess what? I could pop on that other pinch yeah. point or further down the trail, real sneaky-like, and then get a crack at him. So sure. That's 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 an issue for me that I think I'm just going to have to if if it happens, if I like it, I'll keep doing it. If I don't like it, I'll stop doing it type of deal. You know, like it's going to take an encounter or uh an experience for me to decide whether or not right. I like it. What about you? I I I agree with you and I think that's the beauty of hunting, man. You like you're, you and I had different views on on attacking the first day, and and we probably have different views of other things too, and they all can work. That's the great thing. About Absolutely, it. I, I'm I'm very much in line with you on the trail on the sail cam things. I am loving it right now. Yeah, simply because I don't have to walk through a quarter acre or a quarter uh, mile of standing corn to go and try to check a trail camera yeah. right now. Yeah, uh, that's that's beating me up and it's, you know, I feel like I'm scaring more than anything. So it's wonderful right now, just, uh, because of the access and, and things. I've actually had a bunch of trouble with the self service. So I stay frustrated, uh, as much as anything, <laughs> but, uh, but I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, granted, I, I live a little bit away from my hunting area too, except with the exception of one piece that's just right beside my home. Um, so it, it would be tricky. I could find it, though, helping as as a scouting tool, which is what it's intended to be, really. Uh, again, I refer back to the to the buck that I, I, I mentioned to you. He would show up for two or three days in daylight at the very beginning of October. Then we wouldn't see him again in daylight till end of October. Right. I found out that that deer had daylighted, uh, like, two or three days after he had stopped daylighting, right? But he, I tried to hunt him the rest of the week, hoping that he might come back, but he didn't. And so I could take that information like, oh, man, he's starting to come and hit that scrape. I could use that to my advantage. And does that mean he's going to come by necessarily? It, it doesn't. But I'm like you. I, I'm, I'm torn on a little bit. I have him out because it's legal. And, you know, it's within the means of the law, and so I'm going to use it yeah. currently. But I don't know what – I don't know how I feel about it moving forward. I'm kind of like you on that. That's why I ask. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> to, I've had – You know, I've had plenty of observations or uh, plenty of conversations uh, with people about this. And, man, it, the the old adage you – know, like you hear people say, well, just use your woodsmanship. People aren't, aren't using woodsmanship anymore. Well – Man, you could argue that all the way back in time, right? Well, oh, the, oh yeah. You know, the, the, I wonder if there was a, an Indian with a spear who, you know, <laughs> thousands of years ago 
and all he had was a spear and then another Indian with a, a bow and arrow, right. Or, or some other uh-huh. evolved piece of equipment. <laughs> like, like some guy said to his son, Oh, that's technology. Yeah. Why don't you use your woodsmanship? You know, like, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, you no, know, you're totally right. Yeah. So uh, it's just, it's just evolution of how things go. I mean, I mean, we got Ozonics, you know, I, I use ozone. Um, I use cell cams. I use regular trail cameras. I mean, just there's crossbows, there's trad, there's high powered rifles. There's all these different things that are at some point in evolution of things before them. And, uh, I guess I don't get caught up to it. I do what I, I do what I want and I do what I like. So, guarantee it it has brought me uh just speaking to the cell cam i will say this as for right now it has brought me another level of enjoyment and and i really just genuinely enjoy when my phone buzzes and i have a picture absolutely and so it's heightening that level of enjoyment for me so uh right now i'm i'm having a good time with it yeah that's a fact man i i love give getting those uh those pictures of even if it's like a, a doe and a fawn walking through, I'm just like, this is yeah. awesome. I get to know kind of what's going on in the woods. I mean, cause ultimately it's where we all want to be all throughout the day. Right. So I get yep. this little piece of connectivity between where I want to be and where I'm currently at. And you know, Hey, Oh man, there's a doe there right now. Or, Hey, there's a young buck or, Oh man, it's a, there's a big buck or whatever, whatever the scenario <laughs> yeah. is. It's just cool to pick up your device and have that connection to a place that you really want to be. It can be frustrating too, though, man. I tell you what, I wake up in the mornings and, and unfortunately, that's about the first thing I do. I don't even tell my wife good morning hardly anymore. I just look <laughs> straight at my cell phone. Like, oh, dang, man. You know, the sidekick buck didn't come in last night. You know, wonder what happened. I hope he doesn't have EHD. You know, <laughs> He's been missing for a day. That's a fact. That's a <laughs> and, fact. Uh, so there, there's all kinds of things, that, ways to look at it for sure. So let me ask you this. We're going to wind it wind it up here or wind it down. But okay. as far as October is concerned, is there anything else that we should talk about as far as getting the job done, killing your target buck or getting deer? You know, obviously if you're hunting does, in my opinion, it's just, it's it's a different conversation, right? You might be okay with with uh, hunting on a field edge to get one of these one of these does to fill the freezer, right? But we're talking about you know a hit lister buck. Is there anything else that you think that a guy could do early October that would bring him success? Gosh, Dan, we, we've kind of, the thing that I preach is we've already kind of covered is just hunting those fronts and don't burn out spots. Don't burn out some of your best spots if you have other spots um, just for the sake of getting to go hunting. I, I know we all want to. I am busting a gut to go and, and hunt something right now. But if it's going to be detrimental to me down the road, I'd rather wait two more days until the weather was right, till the wind was right than I had run in on something marginal uh, unless the scenarios that you prevent, uh, presented earlier, unless that was the case, that I have very, very limited time to do that. Uh, and so just kind of be careful around around those things. 
Um, I, I've had great success on field edges, but all, all the time they were transition areas to which something you kind of alluded to. And I think that that's a lot in, in due just to where I live at in the state. Um, you mentioned it earlier. I'm on the very, very far western side, so we don't have tons and tons of timber to infiltrate. So kind of everything is a field edge, honestly. So that's I guess that's why there's a little difference there. But the similarity is that it was transition areas, and it was where the deer felt comfortable getting up a little bit earlier. Uh, there also, I want to be mindful of of the the infamous October lull that we hear about in the middle of the month. I have some thoughts behind that of why deer activity seems to be a little lesser. Uh, one is a hunting pressure has started, and they're seeing something that they've not seen in eight months. And that's human intrusion outside of farm equipment. And so that could cause some of that October lull, too. Their coats are changing. They're changing from summer coats to winter coats. And, and largely by October, they're, they're getting that winter coat. And so if you hit some warm days in there, they're, they're really going to slow down some of their activity simply because they're, they're, they're hot. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, so that in that instance, all right, if I'm going to fight the October lull, what I'm going to do, because that's that's my thinking, is they're hot <laughs> and they've gotten some pressure. I'm going to find somewhere cool near near something wet and near some water uh, that I think that they could be using if I'm trying to kill a deer in the middle of that month if it's if it's warm. Right. Um, I, I know that's that's answering all kinds of questions that you didn't ask, but it makes a lot of sense. Nevertheless, though. yeah, yeah, yep. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I am not a believer in the October lull. I don't think deer just yeah. stop moving. They they move no, the same, if not more, than they did two weeks earlier. It's just they're moving at different times, doing different things, and uh, they don't they don't just say, well, hey guys, it's October 17th, time to stop moving for uh, five yeah. days. Okay? So, I don't think that... Right, I mean... We've got to take into account that their environment is changing rapidly. Yes. During that time. Yes. Uh, their 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 home range has changed a lot because of the crop harvest, especially here in the Midwest. And and so just because you're not seeing them doesn't necessarily mean they're not in certain areas. Uh, they're probably just trying to figure out. <laughs> like I said, they want food, water, and and security. Uh, later on in November, the bucks are going to want something else, but. And you can kind of throw some of that security out the window a little bit. But while we're talking exclusively about October, that's I'm having to beat those things, their food, their water, and their security. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I agree with you 100%. Absolutely. Well, Noel, man, I really appreciate you hopping on today and uh, chit-chatting with us and, and uh, talking this whole thing out because uh, here, in a, here in a couple months, it's going to be that time of year that we've just discussed. And uh, hopefully uh, uh, the guys, you know, who guys and gals who listen to this, maybe take one of those principles into the woods with them and, and give it a crack. For sure, man. I always enjoy talking to you, Dan. I'd like to just say I'm no expert by any means. It's just my experiences to share, and I'm happy to share it with folks.